This is the MagicWordPodcast.com. We are now in the fourth and final day of the 50th annual 4F convention here in Buffalo, and I hope you guys have enjoyed the first couple of uh, episodes that we have presented. Actually, I guess there have been two. That's right. We had day one and two combined, and then day three, and now uh, we are here for day four. And going to do a little bit of a recap of uh, last evening's show uh, with Mark D'Souza featuring, who did feature Mark D'Souza in the show last night. So... Um, he can talk about how good he was, and then I will tell you about the real Mark D'Souza. No. <laughs> Anyhow, good morning, Mark. Hey, man. Good morning, Scotty. It's good to see you. You as well, my friend. So uh, last uh, evening, before we get into that, yesterday we did have a pretty good um, uh, stuff that was going on uh, with Paul Gertner's lecture. I thought uh, you weren't at his lecture, but it was... No. Okay. It yeah. was the same lecture he did at FISM, which he calls the Fuller's Lecture. Yes. And it's basically him talking about the development of the material that he did on, on Fuller's and the hows and the whys, and, and went through the explanations of the routines. And what a fascinating lecture it is, not just from the standpoint of just learning great tricks, mm-hmm. but learning... Learning the mindset and what it takes to put all that together. Boy, did oh he put it. Yeah. yeah. And he brought all, a lot of these props with him because he's a little bit closer here now than he yeah. was, you know, like to going up to Quebec and having to go through customs with all of this stuff and contraptions and whatnot. So, and he said also uh, yesterday at the uh, lecture, he said, I really want to uh, deliver something that's a little bit different to this group because this group is really more interested in close up and the the uh, intricacies that some of the people who have broader interest in FISM may not appreciate as much as what we do. So it was a similar lecture, but more specific with some of the things. One of the things, for an example, that... Go ahead. What were you going to say? No, no, no. I was just waving to Greg Fruin. Oh, hey, yeah. We'll talk to Greg. <laughs> going to visit with Greg Fruin tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyhow, uh, one of the things, for an example, he was talking about whenever that he had this uh, dice uh, underneath the hat, right. that, uh, not the die, which was... An amazing thing. I remember talking to Ray Lum on an episode a while back, and he was saying about this secret something that he was building for uh, Paul. And then when he showed it to us, it's like, oh, my gosh, I could see what he was talking about, how amazingly well made that was. But this dice explosion that he had when he lifted his hat, right. and it was, uh, and, and Penn and Teller were saying it was kind of like the cockroaches they had done on David Letterman, you know, a long time ago. But his concept in thinking through that, when you lift it up, you don't want to just have a stack of bunch of dice, you know, that they need to kind of, it looked like it explodes from underneath the hat, right? Right. Yeah, he wants that animation of it. Right. Yeah. So he had all kinds of ideas of having strings and whatnot. When he lifted the hat, then it all kind of separated and everything. But ultimately, I thought it was interesting about how he put magnets on the bottom layer with opposite polar uh, magnetism so right. it would push each other apart and everything, you know. Right. And so that way, and also, you can't line them up that way. It actually has to be in some sort of a special tube and everything. The explanation was just amazing. So when you lift it up, that the bottom layer would push itself apart and the rest of the thing would fall. Right. Right, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's that much detailed thinking mm-hmm. that goes into making a great routine. Yeah. And that's what I was saying uh, in the lecture yesterday. I said, by the way, Paul, I said, was that what um, what Penn and Teller did? Did they put magnets on their cockroaches when they lifted the hat? <laughs> no, but Paul was working on putting cockroaches under the dice. <laughs> Another method that didn't quite work out. That's right. No, no, no. They, <laughs> Anyhow, very good lecture, uh, and that was fun. And uh, yesterday was afternoon, also the the Ed talk. Uh, sorry, the um, the workshop was all about Eddie Fector, and I was really sorry to have missed that because I know uh, there was some great video, some great vintage video shown. 
Yeah. It was. The first one that they had uh, shown was one that many of us had seen before. In fact, got copies of this that Dick Cook had put together. You got a copy of yep. that. It yep. was a little seven-minute video or something talking about the Forks Hotel and who Eddie was in the military and all that kind of a thing. And then they actually showed a, a video of Eddie working at the Forks, doing uh, three of his favorite routines. Of course, the sound quality, and it was real grainy and everything, but that's yep. the way that it was back then. And I remember seeing that one the last time we were at the Forks when they were closing the Forks and we were going to have to move someplace the next year. You probably have seen that. Uh, I, yeah, I've got a, a, a terrible copy of that video. Well, there's no good copy. Of yeah, that. right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. It was. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, it was actually taped on video originally. But I was lucky enough to have seen Eddie. Mm-hmm. He um, he performed at one of the SAM national conventions in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. It was either '72 or '76, and I, I had a friend Ed Voorhees who was friendly with Eddie, sure. and uh, so I got to sit in session with Eddie. Boy, was he good. Oh, my gosh. And uh, so, anyhow, we, yeah, they had a good uh, panel discussion. I don't go too much more detail on that because uh, Paul and I talked about that yesterday evening on the podcast. So you go back and listen to that one, a little bit about the, who was on the panel and everything. Uh, but <clears throat> then it came to the evening uh, show, which was the uh, fifth show of Friday's Frolics with the MC of Sean Farquhar. And, uh, again, Mark was indisposed. He had to uh, had other personal obligations. Was away yesterday, most of the day. But he was back in time in order to do the show. And you opened the show, I believe, weren't you? The, I did. Uh, I was the opening act. I was yeah. the opening act. So um, uh, I did a couple of routines. Uh, did Hanging my, coins. Yeah. Yeah, it was my handling. It's a, a thing that Johnny Wong uh, put out mm-hmm. called uh, Double Phase Triple Point. I think is what it's called. Mm-hmm. And there have been various handlings. And and I was fascinated by the thing and just spent a lot of time. You know, synthesizing my routine for it and putting together a presentation that worked well and uh, something I use for layman a lot. I mean, it's yeah. a great trick. It's a nice stand-up thing too. Yeah, exactly. You can do it. It's great for. Par- it's really more of a parlor size thing, mm-hmm. but you can use it in close-up. And then you sat down to do a card effect. And I sat down and did a um, card effect that's loosely based on um, on Carl Fulves Gemini Twins, which is a very popular effect. Uh, probably the most popular Carl Foles effect there is. Uh, but I have a little twist on it and it allows me to do a triple prediction. But it's a whole casino card theme and I use canceled casino cards and right, yeah. end up with a, a rainbow deck finish. Of, mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a fun routine. But uh, it did give me the opportunity to uh, uh, wreak revenge on uh, Brian Curry. <laughs> we were just talking to him briefly because Brian did a great job. Very funny guy. And he'd made some reference to you, I think, in his show, and so you kind of got him back. So, exactly, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I knew I needed help to do it, so I enlisted um, the, the group, you know, for Will Fern and, and uh, David Corsero and all. And, and Curry's actually on that, that, that email thread. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, so I, I said, <clears throat> it's not fun if Brian doesn't know it's coming. <laughs> and he knew it was coming. He, he was waiting for it. So it was all in good fun. Yeah. Uh, and then next, uh, who was up? Uh, Sean, again, was MC. Did a great job. Fabulous job. He had a great running thread through the whole thing where he had cards picked, and he would just call that that performer out. And yeah. and he had just had a lot of great gags, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about one of them uh, as we get on. Um, but the, uh, the performer that followed me was uh, Obi. I mean, sorry, it was Obi. It was <laughs> Boris, Boris Wilde, yeah. doing his tribute to Obi. That's right. It was tribute to Obi. And as he said, that he was one of um, Obi's adopted sons. You exactly. know, Sean and, o- and uh, Boris. And- Henry Evans. Henry, yeah. Yeah, yeah there's his adopted sons. Um, so it was one of Boris's lovely, you know, music pieces that uh, it's all cards, blind cards that turn to Fs. Mm-hmm. And it's more than four Fs. And then it turns into a picture of Obi. 
He turns so, them over, yeah. Very emotional and nice music, and everything, yeah. as, as only Boris can do. You know? Exactly, exactly. It's beautifully per, uh, performed. Um, and uh, he was followed by Michael Amar. Uh, who uh, you know he's got some potential. He'll, he'll be. I hope he comes back. I hope you hope we see yeah. him again. Yeah, it's we, been 25 years since his last <laughs> been here. He said, but I, I was saying I think that kid's pretty good. He ought to come back. <laughs> <laughs> Michael was his normal, wonderful self. Yeah. He did. Uh, uh, he did a, a really unique sign card to borrowed wallet. He explained a little bit of that last night in the precursor suite, and uh, yeah. brilliant, fooled the heck out of me. You know, with it's like, oh yeah, now I got it. But when he had that card side, I thought, okay, well, he's known for the card on the ceiling. Is he? And I was looking at the ceiling. I thought, Is he going to do this? <laughs> right, right. Um, and then he uh, he did a uh, multi-phase torn restored card thing uh, that looked very, very nice. Uh, but the finish of the thing, where a piece was torn off, a, co- a corner was torn off. The person signed the face of the card. He signed the corner, and he fuses it back on, but upside down, right. and gives you the card, and it's got the signatures it's on it. It's not just fused. It's actually a card. It is a card. Mm-hmm. It is a card. With the signature. Yeah, exactly. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, Andy Gladwin from the U.K. followed him. Uh, Andy, you know, it's just such a pleasure to watch the the evolution of Andy as a performer. And, boy, he really is a good, solid performer now. I mean, it's just very, really fun stuff. He performed this uh, series of routines that he did at the senior tour that I just saw last week. Right. So it was interesting from a different perspective because actually I was one of the volunteers last week who had assisted him. And so this week, you know, to watching him perform, it's just he's dynamite. He's just uh, really good. And he was doing a tossed out deck and then a, uh, a blindfold thing. Well, the, the tossed out deck is more than just a tossed out well, deck. Well, I should, exactly he's added right. a couple of elements to it yeah. that really uh, really elevated it to a different very different level. effect. Yes. Very different effect. And the, um, uh, what he calls the Chip Robinson trick, um, that blindfold, boy, that's, you know, that's a real kicker. That's mm-hmm. a real kick in the head. And I don't want to explain what it is because it'll ruin it for anybody yeah, that sees it. You see it, you're, you're gonna, you're, yeah. you're, but, but we say blindfold, actually it was taped, so his, his eyes were taped. Um, but... Uh, it was yeah. When you see it, it's amazing. And um, <clears throat> uh, before intermission, um, Sean was uh, uh, joined by uh, Juicy Starling. Um, Juicy Starling, played by Michael Dardant. Uh, Michael, I think, has a whole new career ahead of him. Uh, <laughs> well, he does way, live in New Orleans, so he could do drag. Exactly, exactly. And, and by the way, um, uh, his makeup was done by Meadow Perry. Meadow, Meadow and he are friends, and Meadow's here because she's performing at Mawney tomorrow. Okay. So she came in early just to hang out with Sean. I was going to say, I haven't seen her yet, so Yeah, yeah, I just saw her for the first time last night in the the Italian suite. So, uh, yeah, so she did the makeup. It was very, very funny. Very, (laughs) very funny. And uh, so we had an intermission. Coming out of intermission, um, uh, we had special guests. Penn and Teller mm-hmm. on video, yeah. um, and they were uh, 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 inviting soliciting. any. Yeah, they were soliciting uh, the four F members to uh, submit for uh, for full list this mm-hmm. season because this season it's going to be a tough season for them. Uh, it's uh, normally they do thirteen shows. This year they're doing twenty, and they that, need a lot of material. They need a lot of material. They need magicians and they need personal material. I mean, they have to do a new trick every week, and yeah. that's. That's a lot of that's a lot of dang material. So uh, right. yeah. So um, um, in Corsero's lecture, uh, TED talk, Ed talk. Sorry, uh, he talked about the fullest and the and the stat, uh, stat statistics. That's hard to say at this time in the morning after a late night. Pardon me. Um, 
the statistics, obviously, of the, the 4F people who go on foods are higher than average. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The so percentage they, of those who are uh, attendees of this have um, <clears throat> statistically fooled them more often than those who have not attended. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, so that was funny. Um, he was followed by Willie Monroe. Wow. Willie is is he's a character. Spain, right? Yeah, yeah, not your typical Spanish magician. Very funny guy. I saw this acting competition in FISM. Yeah, and what I mean we first talked about that wasn't it this year? Yeah, back when we saw it. Yeah, yeah. Um, he he unveils this miniature stage with you know like trusses and stuff. I mean it's it's really cool. It's about the size of maybe three shoe boxes. Can you imagine about that yeah. size? Yeah, about that. And he introduces. Uh, righteous and leftists, and as his hands come through the curtain, and he does illusions with Rubik's cubes. <clears throat> he starts with a zigzag Rubik's cube that really, when you look at it, is pretty damn impossible. I mean, the the gyrations this thing goes through. Before he took, yeah, he uh, manipulated the uh, Rubik's cube to begin with before he put it in the box very cleanly with yeah. all four sides showing. And then proceeded to slice it into thirds and move the the, the middle out, and then move one piece the other way. Twisting and, them around. Oh yeah, they twisted the individual pieces. It was really very yeah. very clever. Yeah, and then and, taking it out and then showing somebody, you know, showing Gene Anderson right in front, say, hey, you know, he took it and twisted it back together. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and then he does a levitation with it, full, you know, like a full stage levitation on a miniature stage, and he finishes with a sub trunk with a cube and a pyramid. triangular, yeah, pyramid. Uh, Rubik's Cube. Yeah. yeah. Very clean looking. Very and fast. Yeah. And, you know, on the surface of it, you, you just kind of go, oh, this is a very funny idea. But then when you think about it, damn, you know, these tricks actually are pretty pretty good. It was very good, yeah. Because he had a little curtain, you know, where I think leftists actually pulled, pulled the little curtain that was, I mean, the, the, yeah, the hoop. Uh, that, oh, that, the hoop that passed over the, uh, the floating cube. Yeah, yeah. And very it, fair looking. Yeah. Very cool. Um... <clears throat> Uh, and so uh, Rick Wilcox followed him, and uh, Rick, you know, does a big illusion show out in the Wisconsin Dells. Um, he opened with uh, the Birdcage Vanish. Now, Rick had posted video of him backstage doing the Birdcage, and I saw Rick the first day. And I said, undoubtedly, best Birdcage I've ever seen. Just phenomenal. I mean, it just looks beautiful. And he not only did it last night, he repeated it and then took his jacket off. So and, and I, did the rest of his act with his jacket exactly. off. Exactly. So I know there were a lot of guys scratching their heads over that one. That was that was a very very clever thing, and uh, he followed that up with a uh, <coughs> pardon me a number prediction, which unfortunately he was off a couple of digits. Off by two. Off by two. He should have had that prediction. Yeah. Off by two. Um, but uh, he wasn't expecting that. No, he was not. <laughs> and um, uh, he redeemed himself with. Uh, his handling of Dean Dill's uh, coin explosion. Yeah. So, uh, very nicely done. Good routine. Uh, he does that as part of his regular show in a stage show. When I've seen him in the Dell's, where he has a big uh, iMag, you know, a big monitor, right. and he does that the coin explosion there. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's obvious. Yeah, he's done that's it over and over and over. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that's a piece you have to do all the time, or you forget the sequence yeah. of, of what you have to do. Uh, but it was handled very nicely. Uh, he was followed by Bernardo Sedlicek from Brazil. Um, who who did this absolutely impossible thing? First of all, he he had he had people raise their hands. He says, uh, "Everybody, raise your hands." Okay, put your hands down if you don't want to help me with a trick. <laughs> Somebody half the hands went down. He says, "Okay, everybody, with your hands up, come up. I want you to stand behind me. I want you to circle all around me for for my act." 
So yeah. he was fully surrounded. Yeah, the there were like about 20 people or 30. Oh, there him. was yeah, there was more than that. There was like 40 people up there, and um, at, he hands somebody. He has somebody sit in his seat. Hands somebody a deck. Takes it out. He shuffles. He has him put it under the table. Shuffle the deck. Cut the deck. Take out a card. Reverse the card in the pack. Put it back in the pack. Put the card case in. The, put it back in the case. Bring it up onto the table. All under the table. Not All seeing under anything. The table. Nobody's seeing anything. And then, you know, basically, he reveals the card, and there's, yeah, it's just a I said, he should have just walked off after that. <laughs> but thank God he didn't, because the rest of the act was phenomenal. Uh, he did, uh, he did a, another routine where he, he was apparently memorizing all of the other cards that weren't chosen so he could reveal the chosen card. Um, he did a fantastic oil and water. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, I got no clue. I mean, this, this was fantastic and then he does uh revelation of an any, any card named under again impossible conditions I, I i said afterwards i i asked him i said are you truly in league with the devil i'm it's the <laughs> well, only explanation and i, I do have. like his ending as well <clears throat> he was saying you can look at the card and or you can just slide it back into the deck and uh you know only you will know uh, and this will be an experience that you can remember you know, rather than spoiling it for everybody, or if you want to, you're not spoiling it. It's your decision. Thank you. Good night. He walked off, and like the 40 people looking around, said, well, "Should I look at the card?" You know, uh, Mark Fitzgerald was the one who was sitting there. You know, and Mark said, "What do you think, folks? Should no, I look Mark at the card?" Mark, who, who did I Mark say? Yeah, Mark Yeager. Pardon me, Mark Yeager was. <laughs> he said, "What should I do?" And we said, "Yeah, I'll look at it." No, don't look at it. Yeah, look at it. No, and somebody said, "Well, you can just peek at it yourself, and we'll know if it's right or by his expression." Yeah, but then he turned it over and showed it. <laughs> And it was just phenomenal. But, but I, I told Bernard, I said, that was a very Maven-esque kind of thing. It finish. was very Maven-esque, exactly. Yeah, yes, <laughs> yes. So kind of nice tribute. Uh, and the show was closed out by uh, our buddy Chris Capehart. Um, again, Chris is just such a, uh, a iconic at this point persona. I mean, bigger, bigger than life. Yeah. He really is very, very funny. Uh, he did a bit with multiplying card cases. Um, and said, uh, well, after my lecture, I'm not going to do any card tricks. Yeah. <laughs> he had trouble with a couple of card tricks. Uh, but he did his bit with a, a light bulb that lights up in his hands and then in a spectator's hands. Looks great. And he finished with this trick that uh, he talks about being, being a Jedi, and he uses the Force. And it's a folded piece of cardboard that he just looks at, and it falls over, mm-hmm. and then walks away from it. And looks at it and it falls out. And he just does it like four or five times. And it's just more and more possible every time he does it. It's a really cool thing. And then at the very end, he's actually probably 15 feet away from it. Absolutely. And it's just like whenever he moves his hand towards that, he said, now it's going to go off the table. It just like looked like it just blew. Oh, it flew off the table. It's like it's like a Jedi using the Force to bowl yeah. somebody over. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was a piece of cardboard <laughs> instead of a person. Yeah, that was very impressive. Now... Folks, just just listen to that lineup then again. I mean, and that's just the Friday night show. You know, we got still tonight to Saturday, but we, just the names on there again. Starting with I, yeah, with uh, I was low man with, on the total. <laughs> no, well, I mean, it's like, no. hey, you know, why am I on this show? With Sean Farquhar to begin with, with MC yeah. and read it off. So yeah, it was me and Michael Amar, Boris Wilde, Andy Gladwin, Rick Wilcox, Willie Monroe, Bernardo Sedlacek, and Chris Capehart. Man, Great show. what I mean. Most conventions would die to get the, you know half of those guys you know in there. Oh, absolutely! Two of those acts on the convention is yeah. going to make it. What are we going to be having tonight? Do you... um, yeah, we've got well this afternoon we've got a one man show, mm-hmm. which is the first. You know, everybody's saying it's the first time it's been done. 
I don't think that's the case. I think the first time it was done was when Del Rey did it at the Old Forks. I he think did. he basically did a one-man show there. Now, maybe he was like the ending of a show and did 40 minutes, but, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, no, tonight, we, Steve Beam is MC, and Steve is just, <laughs> his wit is like as dry as a desert. It's just <laughs> so funny, but it's Montreal. Spot on. Yeah, the Montreal Trio, uh, Michel Huot and Yannick Lacroix, Mark Trudel, uh, Alexandre de Vivier, Shudogawa, Mike Robinson, who, you know, casual listeners have no idea who Mike Robinson is. Mike Robinson is a magician and ventriloquist, um, and I don't know whose ass the dummy's going to kick. <laughs> That's funny, because always not here. Exactly. Uh, well, uh, for those who are listening and listen to this uh, podcast regularly, I would suggest to go back to the archives, because I had done an episode with Mike Robinson, and uh, I was speaking to him just last evening, and he was coming over to me, and he said, man, I want to tell you how many people have been coming up to me, you know, since, and that was like 10 years ago. It was one of my, one of my early wow. uh, podcast episodes, and they're still coming up, you know, and talking with him, uh, and he's gotten a lot of mileage out of it. I said, well, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> yeah, uh, Mike is just a very talented guy. He works a lot of cruise ships. Yeah. Works a lot of cruise ships. Uh, Harette Wu, uh, Carissa Hendricks, who I'm, I'm assuming is not performing as Carissa Hendricks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Juliana Chen, mm-hmm. um, and finish with uh, Steve Bargatze and Rick Merrill, uh, which is kind of like a, a comedy recap of everything that happened. And I know I'm going to get my butt reamed out tonight because I made fun of Steve Bargatze and Rick Merrill last night. So, You'll be in their radar. Yeah, I'm sure. So, yeah, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for my turn. They very get the sa- last laugh. <laughs> very satisfactory show yesterday. A very satisfactory last three days, and I'm looking forward still to today. It's, it's interesting that uh, we don't have really anything on the agenda until 1.30 this afternoon. Absolutely nothing here this morning. Well, on. Friday night's the night that everybody stays up late and parties hardy. Uh, so, As I did. I got yeah. to bed about 3 this morning. Yep, uh, I got to bed at 2. So, yeah, yeah. And uh, you didn't make it to the precursor suite, you said. I that. didn't. I've got to get. I've got to get up there tonight just to just yeah. to say hi. But you know, I I tend to hang out in the Italian suite. And, uh, yeah. Well, you can only drink shot. so much limoncello. And and uh, I was hanging out with Keith Fields, and we started talking ukuleles. And uh, so he brought his uke down for me to take a look at. It. So that's costing me money now because when I get home, I have to order one. It's it's a really nice little uke. Uh, but boy. You know, Keith brought it out when he emceed the show and didn't play a single note on it. And what a pity, because last night he was playing stuff up in the seat. He learned how to play Bohemian Rhapsody. And uh, and he said, boy, I'm rusty on this. I haven't played it for a while. And, man, he got through it all. It was incredible. And he said it took him three years to learn it. Yeah, he said during, uh, yeah, during COVID. And I had uh, recorded that, actually. And so uh, when we were at Abbott's one year, and he was sitting out there on Gerald Costello's back porch, and so Jerry, or rather, I, I had uh, recorded the thing, put it on YouTube. So it's, uh, it's. I'll see if I can put a link on the blog so you guys can go back and listen to that. Doing the Bohemian Rhapsody, it's, absolutely amazing on a ukulele. Great. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. But both and I, uh, both he and I. I mean, I love you, but I just I mess around with it. I don't. I'm not a player. Yeah. But uh, boy, when I hear somebody that's that good, it makes me want to get it out and practice again. So, but yeah, uh, again, everybody's up late last night, so they're letting everyone sleep in here this morning, and people are kind of straggling in here for breakfast a few at a time. It seems like, and uh, I'm um, uh, I'm going to go and work on the podcast a little bit, fine tuning the last couple of days because since I went to bed early, I haven't. <laughs> You know, posted some things, some pictures, and some stuff that I need to do over there. So, anyhow, looking forward to uh, this afternoon and the rest of the activities, and then uh, tonight. So, and we'll, we will get back together afterwards to afterwards recap. Afterwards tonight, we'll do the recap of uh, today's activities and uh, 
And then we go home. Well, you do. I'm I do. You, yeah. I'm going to be going to Monty, which I want everyone right. then to hang around for another day and listen to uh, another completely different kind of a convention. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, in the I get up in the morning, I try to spin through the dealer room at Monty before I get on the road. Because very different set of dealers than we have here at 4 yeah, Well, that's true. That's true, too. Mark, thanks very much. We will talk later today. Absolutely. Thank <laughs> you, Scotty. For the Magic Word Podcast. That was Mark D'Souza. This is Scotty Young. Well, we just finished with uh, Eric DeCamp's one-man show. This is one of the first times in February, I think, that they've had actually a one-man show. Because typically in the afternoon, they always have several people. Yeah. But he did a variety of things. And I'm here, by the way, with Michael Moore. Hey, Michael. Good to see you. <laughs> Good to see you, Scott. Wasn't that an amazing show? I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. I've always uh, loved Eric's performances. You know, uh, uh, he did a couple of new things for me uh, that I haven't seen. And, I've always uh, liked that tribute he does to Renee LeVon with the one arm. Yeah, know. yeah. He does a beautiful job with that. And... Uh, but there were several pieces I'd never seen yeah. him do, and and a couple of uh, signature pieces that he didn't do. You know, he's got a great cups and balls routine. Uh, right. He's got the uh, the leather cup, the, with the cups the and Ramsey cylinder, thing. the Ramsey cups and uh, yeah. cylinder thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was it was a wonderful performance. Yeah. Um, and and everybody clearly enjoyed it. With and, a standing ovation. Yeah, 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 two two standing ovations. Yeah, yeah. So, that was it's no small thing. Well, he's been doing this for a while, so he has kind of been rehearsing this enough, you know. And uh, yeah, so but yeah. to get that kind of respect from his peers, I think yeah, he really appreciates exactly. it. Exactly, and, uh, and it was uh, and it was an audience uh, aware performance. You know, he knew he was performing for magicians and 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 made that work. Now, you've not been here for, like, what did you say, 25 years? 42 years. 42. Wait, I was wait, here in 1981. Was okay. 1981. <laughs> okay. So, 42 years. Uh, room to so Bob Elliot and huh? Yeah, so finally, uh, it took me a while to talk him into it. To get out of prison, to get <laughs> right. out, of, out of Obi prison. You can, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but for, for the longest time, it was like I had the, the, the Factor's curse. It was, uh, uh, I would get booked that weekend. Mm-hmm. And, and I, get, I would say to myself, okay, next year, definitely I'm going to make it. And something would come up. It's like I gotta take this, and yeah. you know, and it was just—it was a weird thing that why that one weekend every year it was. It was, was a different busy. thing. It wasn't like the same kind of a no, festival no, it or was, it corporate was deal. Or... Really, uh, just like out of the blue, different things. Yeah, and um, you know, but but at least Opie didn't didn't forget me. You know. <laughs> well, now you were the invitation. A guest of honor too, weren't you? Way back when you had no, not. No, okay, yeah, well, that's I mean, in 1981, that was. Uh, uh, Daryl and I roomed together uh, yeah. in 81. Because Daryl, I know, was a guest of honor in later years. Yeah, you weren't here for that then? No. Because okay. no, no, you were working again. I was working someplace. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was a real treat to get to come back. And, and I've sure loved every minute and want to sign up for next year. So I figure if I sign up in advance... If something else comes up, I, I get to say, hey, I'm already, <laughs> I'm already booked. Prepaid. I'm already booked. <laughs> I've, uh, so are you working uh, are, uh, on some things then right now, uh, or are you kind yeah. of going a different stage of your life then? Well, right actually, um, I've been working on these curriculums for a number yeah, of years, year. <clears throat> and, uh, and those are kind of uh, wrapped up at this point. I've got a couple more to do, but uh, really getting back into the magic scene, really. Uh, the, the curriculum's really... Tr- took me off the, the the main focus of magic for magicians and stuff like that. So, right. I mean, that was my, you know, main focus. Right. 
for for almost uh, ten years now. Um, but now I'm want to start saying yes to everything, you know, <laughs> and then going back out again. Well, your son, your youngest son, is kind of now. He's almost eighteen. Almost eighteen. But but <laughs> we're we're never going to have an empty nest. I don't think. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, the twenty-two year old will move back in and looks perfectly comfortable. Sure, yeah. <laughs> boomerang kids, yeah. but they keep coming right. back. Uh, you know, yeah, <laughs> but but you know, I, I lived with my parents till I was thirty. Mm-hmm. You know, which really helped. You know, focus just on magic. I wasn't having to pay rent or mortgage right. someplace, so that really helped me put all my, you know, efforts into just being in the magic world. Right, you right. Know? And so that, that was a real benefit. So if, if my kids turn out to be the same, that's, that's okay. That's too. Yeah. 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 So as far as some of the things you're working on then, too, are you working on a, another instruction manual or something for the, uh, for the teaching that you're doing, you're saying, or something? Actually, or? I, I just want to get back into performing. Performing, more, okay. You know, okay. The, the thing is. Like a convention You know, like 40 years uh, uh, of doing some of the same things, you know, and, and, and just kind of working on a subset of stuff that I've already been doing. You know, I just want to kind of immerse in it for a bit and start doing new stuff, you know, finding new things to work on. One of my favorite questions I always like to ask you, this is something that goes way, way back in which that you had said one time at a lecture early on that if you were going to perform for the Pope, you would do this trick, and it was the coins with the, through the... Right, right. Through the silver. Right, that was... Uh, yeah. You know, and a decision like that is, um, is what can you do in, in a perfectly comfortable way, you know, in those pressure situations. You know, right. sometimes people say, this is a special thing, I want to do a special trick. Right, exactly. And, and now they're not sure if it's going to work or, you know, in those situations, whether it's television or, or performing for the group last night, mm-hmm. you know, I want to pick something that I can do without thinking about it, right. you know, and, and just be comfortable. comfortable and, sure. and, you know, I, I think that, you know, an audience... If you connect with an audience, they feel for you. Mm-hmm. And, and if they can tell that you're anxious or, or nervous or something like that, they, they feel that as well. Exactly. You know, and so it's, it's uh, a performer owes it to his audience, you know, to put them at ease mm-hmm. by being at ease you know, as right. you perform, you know, and that's a big part of it. So what is it now that you feel most comfortable? I guess like what you were doing last night, like a... Yeah, some of the things, yeah, that was, uh, you know, a set that I could do without thinking about it. And that's different. It's, it's whatever you got current. Right. You know, what have you been doing a lot of recently? Right. Um, but, um, yeah, so that's the way I look at that. Is It's like, what's the current stuff that you can do? Because not everything, you know, maintain everything in your repertoire. Right. Uh, things you, come you and can't. go. Right, right. Yeah. So you, you work in cycles. Of things sure. and 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 that was from the current cycle. Yeah, yeah, uh, that, I, that makes perfect sense because yeah. I was having this conversation with someone oh a few months ago, in, in fact, and I had given that that example, and I said, "What would you do?" And he said, "Well, it would be whatever I'm working on, whatever's current that I yeah. feel comfortable with." Exactly. It, it was the exact same answer you just gave. Exactly, because that's a big part of it. You've mm-hmm. been comfortable mm-hmm. and, and knowing what you're doing, and, right. and and being able to relegate all of that to, to subconscious yeah. stuff, autopilot. Exactly. You know, because the, the main focus is. Looking at people and sure. you know, engaging, and projecting. Right. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you uh, for what you have been doing and are, have done and continue to do for I the kept you up community. late last night, didn't and, I? Yes, we did. <laughs> <laughs> About <early> three o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> and also, thanks for uh, getting me uh, started with the podcast. Yeah, it's my fault. <laughs> but hey, man, 
It's wonderful. Yeah, thank you. It's wonderful. You're you're an asset to the whole community for, thank you. for doing this. You've always been an inspiration. Yeah, you know, you're you're the best, man. I love it. <laughs> forty forty some years for you as well. So, yeah, uh, yeah, that's yeah. true. So nineteen eighty yeah, so we eighty one. Yeah, back in the. Yeah. Uh, Golly, in Hawaii? In Hawaii, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Uh, Fun times. times. Thanks a lot. Appreciate your friendship, and thanks uh, again for everything Let's do do this again in 40 (laughs) years. (laughs) For the Magic Word Podcast. This is Michael Lamar. This is Scotty Hawk. Well, we just finished the Ed Talk this afternoon, and we had uh, three different people. Of course, this was, uh, I say, of course, uh, the first one uh, and the second one were both hosted by Christian Catalina, and uh, they talked at the end, had their own uh, presentation, but there was the first one that uh, Rick Wilcox talked a little bit about his uh, uh, experiences as an illusionist, uh, which is kind of interesting for a close-up convention, but I think everyone's got a little bit of experience with that as well. And uh, I thought one of the standout uh, things for me was uh, Keith Fields talking about audience management, which is always something that we could really get into a lot of detail about. And he's got a lot of experience having actually started on the street and learning how to manage an audience as well as having your own theater and other kinds of shows you've been doing. And I've got him with me right now. Here's Keith Fields. Hey, I'm Keith. right here. You're, you're only saying those nice things because they're true. So thank you very much for that. And happy birthday, by the way, oh, too. Oh, thank you. Thank <laughs> Today you. is your yes. day. Yes, please feel free to send money, not cards. <laughs> so uh, one of the things I thought you were going to be talking about is audience selection also. That's yeah. one of the most difficult things that I find. And you did, I guess, kind of touched on that yeah, as far I, as... I, I got to it in the end, but unfortunately with all these things, you know, I, I have got probably time. another three pages of notes that I wanted to cover. But the, the things I mentioned in terms of audience, the, the, you know, the, the biggest thing I look for is someone that's making and keeping eye contact with me when I'm obviously... So I put the suggestion out there, I'm looking for someone to help me. Uh, and I'm looking for, a lot of people will immediately start looking away. In fact, a lot of people do the joke about, you know, when I look for a volunteer, it's amazing how often people look at their shoes, right. uh, which is a joke I've heard from many people. It's a good line, and, you know, right. please use it if you haven't, you'll get a good reaction from it. But the opposite of it is that is also true. People who want to help you will look at you, and they will, they will kind of, they're almost like an expectant puppy. <laughs> you know, they're, they're sort of looking up. You go, are you going to play with me, please? Can I, yeah. can I play? There yeah. are people in the audience who really want to join in. And I think you are much, much better having that person on stage than having someone on stage that doesn't want to be there. What about the opportunity, uh, the opportunity people who will say pick her you know they're pointing to somebody yeah you know and they'll say like it's usually a husband pointing at the wife and she's of course if she's saying no or but sometimes she's kind of smiling like well i guess i'd be okay what yeah. are your thoughts on that I, if if they're doing the latter if they okay. are smiling and sort of going yeah all right then then i will pick them uh, but if someone says pick you know pick this person here i usually do a comedy bit on that and i sort of talk to them about so why is it you want that person up there and not you because yeah. and, I, and I, I sort of act as if I'm going to pick on the person that pointed someone else out, mm-hmm. but then I would usually move away from them both because there's quite often something going on there that I don't want. Yes, I don't that's very true. That's kind of the way that I always feel. Look at that. First yeah. of all, this person is pointing is usually the alpha person. You yeah. Know? Because sometimes I've heard some guys say, "Well, I'm going to pick you because then you're the one who's choosing someone else." Yeah, I would. So that. no, I don't I, think I so. Do that because they also, you know, they're, 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 they could be the troublemaker. Exactly. Easily, you don't want that on stage. No, no. Yeah, they're trying to one up you. Yeah, I think. Um, Josh Jay did some very interesting uh, research on getting audience members up. Uh, and I think he ended up with the concept of actually, literally, he would, he would actually ask someone to put their hand up and would pick someone that put their hand up. But I have had interesting experiences of audience members being too keen 
to want to help. They really wanted, they came to the show and they wanted to get on stage. And sometimes those people can be a little bit too effusive and too energetic. Uh, and you have to be an experienced performer to keep control of that situation. Well, that's true. One of the things I didn't get to mention, which I think is also important, is the idea of having more than one person on stage. I, in, in, I have two routines which use multi-people. One of them is a kid's routine which uses eight people, and one of them is a, an adult's routine which uses five people. And I find that the safety in numbers concept really comes into play. I get the With the adult routine, I get the one person up and I get him to do something which is only slightly silly. And then the second person comes up and they have to do something slightly silly. And at that point, the rest of the audience, they get it. They get that they're going to go on stage, they're going to do something slightly silly. But when I get to the fourth person who does something which is probably the biggest laugh in the show, um, and it's kind of one of those moments that you'd look at and you go, how on earth do you get that person? I'm not going to say what it is, but how do you get that person to do that thing? It's because they've already bought into the process. Conditioned it. They know the first person did something silly, got a laugh. The second person did something silly, got a laugh. The third person did something silly, got a laugh. At this point, it's easier to go along with it. And the, that person gets a huge laugh. I was interested, remember the last uh, Ed Talks that we had, a guy was talking about hypnosis in close-up? Right, right. And I think the same, a lot of what he was talking about in terms of establishing compliance, people that want to take part in the experiment, all that stuff also applies to choosing audience members. And if we think like a hypnotist thinks, they get a chance to educate the audience into what they're going to do and what they're going to expect. We have to do that, but we have to do it a lot more quickly and a lot more subtly. I kind of like the idea also that it was very subtle when you're saying, I want whoever's interested, raise your hand, and you kind of, you don't raise it high, you no, just kind of raise it to about shoulder I, length. I don't actually ask them to raise their hand if I'm using that technique. I raise my hand and I say, I'm looking for someone to help me on stage. And, and you're not raising it high, you just kind and of. I'm raising my hand up to just my shoulder height, yeah. and in the audience, I will see three or four people do exactly the same thing, saying, pick me, pick me. You know, me. they're not going to be too effusive, as you say, yeah. or that it's like, hey, yeah, yeah, I, I guess I'd be yeah, okay. I'd like, you know, that, and it's usually, as I say, it's the, it's the eager puppy look that I'm looking for. <laughs> Um, but what about the uh, the drunken eye look? Ah, yes. Well, you, you, usually they don't have the ability to look at you. They're looking over your shoulder, or okay. they're looking at the other person they can see next to you that doesn't really exist. So you, you usually get away with that. No, I, I I I do believe that once you've got someone up on stage, it's your job to deal with that situation. And the idea of sending someone back halfway through is something I would never do. I would find some way to finish that piece and 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 get to maybe a, cut it short. Yeah, cut it short. Get to a good conclusion. Uh, so that person is still treated with respect. Correct. And, uh, you know, they may not do, I may not get as much out of the moment as I had hoped as I would have got with a, a more sensible person who was easier to control. Um, but I do more harm by sending someone back and say, you're not good enough. Yeah. That does more harm to the trust factor between me and the audience than actually getting to a suitable conclusion and then moving on to the next routine. But then that's a lot of professional experience. I always have another routine in my back pocket that I can do if I've got to fill time or something. Sure, of course. And I was just thinking about having someone who is a little bit inebriated or high or whatever <laughs> whenever they come on stage. Oh, high, high, high can be a fun thing, actually, because uh, it's easy to do magic for high people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's true. But my point, I was going to say, is when you were uh, was wise in saying uh, you don't want to make a fun of them and uh, you want them to be a part of it because you don't want to break 
break that trust you have with the audience and everything, then uh, I, I think the less said, the best said. And that's where mugging comes in, where you just kind of yeah. make these little eyes. or you just kind of, yeah. I mean, you don't have to, to finish because people are putting, making their own jokes. The, you know? Yeah, the audience know what's going on. And I think we sometimes, we're so concerned with ourselves and our own feelings uh, because it's a high-pressure situation standing on stage. It's an incredibly stressful situation, and if you're not used to it and comfortable with it, that stress is magnified. Um, but the audience are also in a situation when they're hyper-aware of everything that's happening, and they are watching every moment. And, and so they see. Don't don't think that they don't know what's going on. If this, if someone on stage is messing you around, yeah, the audience know. They, they do. Yeah, I, I think you have to give the audience a lot more credit. Than, I think we, you know. I think we should always be doing that. You know, but my my belief, my theory of the whole entertainment is I'm taking the audience on a collective journey, mm-hmm. and wherever they are. When they start off, they're a room full of individuals. I'm going to turn them... I'm the, the tour guide, if you like. I'm, I, I turn them into a group, and I say, my group, follow me. And, yeah. and we go to the, through our destinations. And every destination should be more exciting than the previous destination. And, and it builds up to a huge finale when it's, it's kind of organised chaos, yeah. uh, which hopefully will get you know, a really good reaction from the audience. And I love the idea also when you come out that one of the first things you want to do is smile. Because oh, yeah. most people, a lot oh, of magicians gosh. are not doing that. You know? Yeah, I, and, and honestly, I, I, you know, I love, I love 4F, and I love all the people here. But I see many performers, um, you know, as people who don't haven't been here. You, you have to perform the first time you come, and that is heck. That's a nerve-wracking situation because of the people who are here. They'll be in the lines then right away. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But the. If, if you if you just go out there and smile, the whole audience will relax and go, good. They don't know why they're doing it, but they, this guy looks like he knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And if someone comes out and they're looking a bit worried because they're thinking about you know the slights they've got to do or this kind of thing, um, we know that as well. Mm-hmm. In fact, my best advice is don't come to 4F and try and fool people. Come to 4F and do the trick you do best. The trick you do all the time. If if someone says, show me a trick, and that's the trick you carry, that's probably the thing, because you will have more confidence in yourself doing that trick than you will in doing something complex before a room full of people who are probably better at it than you. (laughs) I remember a guy one time so clearly who came here, and he was clearly nervous. His first time again for his bachelor's degree he was going for, and he just kind of sat there and looked at the audience, and I think he was trying to calm himself down, and he looked at him and he said, I've got uh, your DVD. I've seen you on television. I've got three of your books. I've got your lecture notes. And he's pointing to different people in the audience. He said, what am I doing here? Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> he I got was, a big laugh, yeah, and so it kind yeah. of broke the ice My, for my first show, I remember Juan Tamariz was sitting like, he was the guest of honor that year. I'm sitting there going, you know, but he, he was very <laughs> gracious, actually. And in the bar, he came up to me, and he, he told me he thought I was very funny. And, and I... I was riding high on that one comment probably for the rest of <laughs> for the, a long time. Well, definitely the rest yeah. of the 4F convention. You know? I remember I was doing something and Paul Daniels was in the front seat. He was the guest yeah, of honor, you know, yeah. one year. And I, my cards were stuck together, and I just had to, <laughs> and I just stopped, and I redid the trick, and it yeah. came to a successful yeah. conclusion. Well, when he was giving his lecture, and he was talking about sometimes things don't work, and you have to just start over. And he looked at me, don't they, Scott? Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, it's yeah. like you just do. And yeah. this is a this is a time when there is a supportive audience here, as, yeah. as I believe. All magic clubs should be performance orientated and the magic club should be a place where all of us, however experienced, however whether we've got years of experience or whether we're newbies, we should be safe and secure in performing something and trying something out at our magic club because it should be a learning place. Unfortunately, 
it's not always the way. But. It's that's true. That's true. Well, we could sit and talk for an hour, and perhaps we, we should sometime. Have. As we often have. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> um, but uh, we still got some more to do here yet this evening, and uh, big show tonight. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking I'm forward to having dinner here shortly, oh, too, gosh, then. Yes, yeah, <laughs> My stomach's starting to growl It's banquet bit. time, isn't it? It it's is, banquet. that's right. So with the Magic Word Podcast, that was Keith Fields Scotty out. One of the other people who was part of the... Ed talk this afternoon. Actually, I kicked it off, and that was uh, my friend Rick Wilcox. Rick Wilcox. Hey there, Rick. How are you hey, doing, Scott. Man? Good. Fantastic. I'm doing really good, and uh, I'm doing better after I heard what you had to say. It was kind of an interesting choice of having an illusionist talk to close-up guys. Yeah. And yet, I saw you over here with someone who's intimately very involved. You know, with a conversation, want to know more about it. So, I'm sure, you're going to get a lot more questions and comments. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know when you yeah. want to do an illusion. Well, there's so or many. Di- well, that's true. <laughs> uh, which you may be called on, and I've always said that you have. To to, if you're an illusionist, you have to have uh, some basic skills in sleight of hand because it comes into play in, in illusions. Some people don't think that it is, but I mean, it's just not just, I'm talking about black art or, you know, whatever, but there are some slights that I think that you need to be able to be aware of, not just chore- uh, blocking and choreography, but there are a lot of things I think that as an illusionist that you have to have, be skilled in as well. Well, I wasn't. I was doing sleight of hand before I was doing illusions. The only reason I got into illusions is because I had bigger audiences and they wanted a bigger show. And yeah. they asked if I could do it, and I said I, did, I could. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't, but I could. Yeah, I, I needed to. But I like. Then I did a lot of the stuff that you were talking about behind the scenes, as far as what the cost is, is and the sweat equity that you put into it as well. And once you get an illusion, you think, okay, I can put this right in. No, no it has to be fixed. It always and, and there's so many little things that you have to do to just make sure that it's right. And number one is make sure that the 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 builder knows the measurements and, and the space that you need to have because uh, everybody's different. I, I had heard about that a long time ago. My first, well, my first illusion was a metamorphosis that pretty much fits everybody, but was a zigzag. And so someone had said, you know, you've got different sizes. You need to know how tall your assistant is. And so I said, well, I want it to build for my wife's height, right. and I'm glad I did. You know, yeah. and it fit perfect. We worked, used it for years. If you can, have the illusion built around your assistant. Mm-hmm. Um, even the mini cube zag, I mean... Mm-hmm. We made our, one size we made doesn't fit different. all. We made yeah. ours different, and now yeah. it's perfect. But, yeah. you know, yeah, everything has to be custom. It doesn't. And another thing I thought was uh, fascinating, and I thought a great idea, and that is that once an illusion is built by a reputable uh, uh, manufacturer, uh, that you should fly there, go there with your assistant, and, and practice and rehearse everything so that you can fine-tune that while you're in the shop. Right, because they have all the tools, and they can fix it so much easier. Otherwise, you need to have a welder, which I do, mm-hmm. uh, to be able to have them help you at your place but why not do it there and then second of all whenever something is shipped to make sure that you take pictures of it and everything and keep the guy there well i i always i always make sure when the truck pulls up i'm ready to take pictures they open up the gate and if the case looks damaged in any way i'm getting pictures on the truck so you can prove that it was the trucking company otherwise it's kind of hard to make a claim and then i always open it up yeah it's really important yeah because if you open it up after the guy's already you signed and he's you signed the paperwork and he takes off, then you're, you. you're out of luck. Yeah. So you gotta write, you gotta make notations right. on the bill of lading right. of what happened, right. and then you can make, get a claim and get taken care of. But fascinating. I just, I, it's just, it's another aspect. I think again, where a lot of guys are doing card tricks, I think still enjoyed hearing about uh, the world of magic that we are in, you know, and understanding that side of it that some people may not appreciate as much. Yeah, so. and, I, and like I said, with the case, you know, don't, don't get an expensive case oh, yeah. at, at the shop. Get it, get it afterwards. Get a one-way case so that you can put the prop together and decide how much of it do you want to have together 
when it's in your case oh. so that you can save the time when you get to your corporate event you don't want to, if you want to put that thing together every single corporate event you're going to get pretty pretty tired yeah so i i always uh try to have it together as much as possible and then build a case for it in that situation right right that makes sense so then you build the atas afterwards i guess the, right the, okay or fiber cases or whatever it is yeah. but right you know. i hadn't thought about that about how much that you need to have already pre-built because yeah you can put the the pins and everything in there and yeah. the screws and the, and the bolts and whatnot but that's going to take a lot of time it's for a setup tear down how many times we we are transporting the illusions without a case because we don't want to put it in the case because it packs down too small and we don't have the time right. so we just leave it in the trailer all set up well that's not a good idea right, right. so right. try to try to build the case afterwards well, when, when we went to china we had 18 different cases built mm-hmm. and most of the props were all put together and we just put them right in the case so. Wow, that's right. Because you did how many cities in China? That was uh, like thirty or something. It was a lot. It was two months. <laughs> we were in a, a different province every every other day. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so you kept those illusions together. So you didn't have to put them together. And we still had to them. put them together, but they were mainly mainly together. Yeah. But still, it it was a lot of work. And then one last thing, and that was about the casters. I thought it was kind of interesting. About I didn't realize there were so many different types of casters. I didn't either, <laughs> but I've learned over the 25 years there's a lot, and you need to consider that. But if the, the illusion's really heavy, you can't have rubber casters because you won't be able to move it. Mm-hmm. And if if you want it to be quiet and it's light enough, then you do want rubber casters. And then do you want one-way casters, or do you want it to be more like a bell cart so you can steer it around? Yeah. And so, there's yeah, there's so many different kinds of casters it makes a big difference because my wife almost died because of a broken caster. The truth because, and going back to that zigzag then again, uh, it was not made by a reputable dealer. Uh, and I say recognized dealer, I should say. Yeah. And the casters were just something they probably got at Walmart, not, not even Walmart, you know, just someplace that were cheap plastic casters. And it was a heavy uh, yeah. illusion. And it did not break down. It was all just one big thing, you know. It's hard to avoid. There's so many casters. I mean, most of the time you, you change them out when you yeah. get them. I, uh, that's why I have so many boxes of casters. They're from the illusions when I got them. But, but, the, but the plastic caster had broken. And when I was, I mean, the blades were in, and I moved her apart. And so I was wheeling her around, and uh, there was a, a pit in front of us. And I thought I got hung in something because all of a sudden it started to tip forward. And I was trying to roll it, and then uh, she saw herself starting to fall into the pit. And I was thinking, oh, my gosh, these blades are going to be going in, and this is going to be a disaster. And I was able to come around and catch it just in time. Oh, and put, Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then finally put that thing back together. And then I realized there was the caster that was broken. I thought perhaps it was a, a divot in the in the floor of the stage yeah. or something or some popcorn or a kernel or something, you know, that had happened. But, yeah, because of a broken caster, it could you have been. want to get good quality casters, then always get an extra one when you're traveling mm-hmm. because they do That's break. Good advice. And when we were in China, uh, twice we had casters that broke on the cases. Mm-hmm. So we were trying to figure out how to move them around. We had to get some casters. but So always have extra ones ready to go. Yeah, yeah. Rick, thanks very much. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. And when people want to come to see your show up in uh, Wisconsin Dells, what's uh, it's the Rick Walker? Rick, Rick Wilcox. Wilcox. That's fine. <laughs> you meet a lot of people. Rick Wilcox Theater. And it's just, you know, rickwilcox.com. You can learn all the information about it. And it's the number one uh, go-to thing by TripAdvisor. Excellent. Thank you. <laughs> I love the show. Thanks, Thanks very much. All so right. for the Magic Word Podcast, that was Rick Wilcox and Scotty. All right. 
Well, we're getting ready to go into dinner, but before we do, I thought it'd be interesting to have a uh, short chat with uh, Daryl Rose. Hey, Daryl. Hello, how are you? Fantastic, and you might remember his voice because we did an episode with uh, Daryl some years ago, and then uh, also our friend Boris Wild. Hey there, Boris. Hey, Scott. I believe we also had talked <laughs> like, from time to time. So last night, whenever you were doing uh, your tribute to Obi, that was really a powerful thing, and uh, you had done that before when Obi was still around. I remember you had his picture, didn't you? You just kind of an homage and I love you Obi you know. well, no, well I did it last year uh, during the, the was virtual, Zoom or? yeah during the virtual 4F because it was right after he passed away of course and um, since we're going to meet in person I, I, I think I had to do something you know about him because he was you know my adoptive father <laughs> and uh, was my magic dad and um, I wanted like, to pay a tribute to him So, but Zoom was fine but so many people reached out to me after and they were like oh my god it was so touching but I wish we wish we could have seen it live so I thought this year would be appropriate since we're back in person just to do it for everybody else we couldn't make it last year but also because you know it's about you know something very emotional for me and I think emotion can go through a screen in a certain way but it can go straight to your heart when there is no screen and when you're live in the room in the same room well you can feel that uh, palpable emotion there last night with a standing ovation afterwards and just getting it, it amazing yeah it was yeah i mean I, i'm so glad i made to the end of the of the act because i was so afraid that i couldn't make it until the end i was like i'm so poor it may happen that i would just stop in the middle go backstage and cry. break down yeah yeah, very but good. So, but I was I was happy to go to the end, yeah. but I, it was it was I, hard. I had goosebumps, you know, on the back <laughs> of my back, back of my yeah, absolutely, and yeah, it's listen, and you know, Obi Obi was here for what forty nine of them. We're here now for the fiftieth, and we'll just carry on what he and Eddie set up. And of course, you know, we're back to the effective thing of looking products. It's here to stay because the talent that is in that room now over the last few days oh. has just been incredible. And uh, yeah, magic is safe. You know, all these international magicians from around the world coming, meeting with this once a year. Something that they started in 1971. Who'd have thought that you know, 50 years later, we're here and doing it? So I'm, you know, I'm proud to be a four-effer, just as Boris. How many years have you been coming, Daryl? I've been coming about 10 years now. So um, you know, and I've I've already put my name down for next year. So uh, so I'll be back, all being well. Well, this is a good hotel. I kind of hope we come back to the same location. Here. This is fantastic, and what we're two blocks away from the original Forks Hotel, so it means something, you know, being here. And you know, I took a, a little walk up there to see, and just stood there and look at this empty parking lot. But to say, you know, this is where it started, and right. uh, it, it beats Batavia. <laughs> it does. I was a little bit uh, out there. I mean, I, I miss Alex's restaurant. I mean, the steak place was good, but. This has a lot more advantages, I think, you know, this location for us. It, it does. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've got a nice steak restaurant across the road there now. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's you know, true. The hotel have looked after us. If you like burgers, burgers, or burgers. Yep. But, you know, yep. it's fine. It's, it's good. No, it's, it uh, yeah, I mean, we're having fun. It's, it's not like French burgers, but there you go. <laughs> well, I remember in uh, some year past that you hosted or the, uh, like the All English show, I think, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I, I, I did. That was, about, that was about seven years ago, and I think it's about time I thought we'd bring back a, you know, a, a UK continuously. It wasn't just English, because there were Scotsman on there, and okay. uh, yeah, Ooh. and uh, yeah, and I think there was even a Welsh Welshman, a Welsh lady. So uh, yeah, don't forget we got the whole of the United Kingdom. We, we need a Northern Irish uh, person okay. on the next show, but yeah, that was uh, that was a good fun. We did, we did have a little bit of talent in the Are United Kingdom. Are there any Northern Irishmen who have actually attended this? I can't think of anybody. I don't think there is because we got uh, Quentin Reynolds, but he's Southern Ireland. Right. He's just the uh, Republic of Ireland. No, I, I think we need to find a Northern Irish magician. 
who took okay. him over. Is Pat Fallon? Uh, is Pat Fallon? Pat from Fallon North? Southern. Yeah, no, he's from you the Southern. South, 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 yeah. Southern okay. too. Hmm. Yeah, it's a very good point. I'll uh, I'll, I'll look one up and try. Yeah, absolutely, find <laughs> one. Absolutely. But at least at least we got a huge Scottish delegation this year. We do have, have a couple of new people. and also yeah, they were really good. And, and I think we've had a really good show. I remember in some years past that uh, some people have said, well, the quality was kind of not as good as what it had been. And everybody needs to start stepping up their game as far as people recommending, making sure you recommend someone who is 4F quality. And I don't know whether they took that to heart or what, but it seems like, I mean, like this year, everybody was really good. Oh, yeah, yeah. They had some really good, really good show, really good For the first timers. Yeah. Yes, exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Especially, like, for the 50th anniversary, because, of course, lots of people were expecting a, a lot from this, you know, anniversary and convention. So it's just so glad to see also, like, new uh, fresh blood, I would say. And... Um, and just see, like the um, you know the one that we uh, know for a long time, just coming up with uh, with new stuff, and like seeing Paul Gertner yesterday talking about you know his material for Fulas and that, right. all the, the experience you know and, and all the work and effort he has put in his magic, and it's he's a role model. I mean, you see that, and you're like you know that I hope like all the uh, younger generation, because you said it's your tenth time, it's my twenty fourth time already. And I feel like I'm an old guy here now, but uh, that's because you, you are. You are. You <laughs> are. Well, I'm one step over. I think this is my 35th. Wow. Oh I used wow. to come back at the forks when my I, first. Yeah, time. I know. That's yeah. amazing. That's why yesterday we saw like the, um, you know, the footage from the Fox Hotel and then Eddie Factor. I mean, I'm like, I hope like you know the. The guys that just are here for like first timers or like only for a few years, we see that we get inspired and be like, "Oh my God, this is okay." We're standing on the shoulders of those giants, and that's you know we need to keep going because this is that's what about four F is. That's so true. One of the things I don't think people appreciate is air conditioning because that the forks didn't have air conditioning, and so oh, that's yeah. why they had the windows <laughs> open. And I, when they were showing those films yesterday, I mean, I knew where I always sat was because they always had the fan and they had a window up because usually it's like it's cool like it is here this evening, oh, yeah. you know. Yeah. And so, you you know, you wanted to have that because, I mean, you have 120 bodies or whatever it was you were limited to, you know, upstairs. It was hot, hot, <laughs> sweltering hot, you know. But um, anyhow, it was a lot of fun. So I'm glad you guys uh, came. Looks like that they're uh, starting to seat for dinner, so I'm getting hungry. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's, have let's go in. All right. Eat, enjoy <laughs> All right. and drink. Dale Rose and Boris Wilde. There Fun. you go. Scotty. Bon appétit. You, you balance that very well. <laughs> I am quite surprised. I have good balance. I was I was pro- I was ready to catch it, but you had like great balance <laughs> or a very flat head. One of those two things. I don't know. <laughs> it could have a flat head. It's a very good point. <laughs> so I'm here with Carissa Hendricks right now, and so. Uh, and so you are out of your Lucy Darling outfit for right now, so it's unusual to see you out of character. And I yes. say character because I, gotten everyone's gotten to know you just as Lucy over here. It was a great job. So everybody has the picture that has been posted with Juicy <laughs> Starling. Oh, my gosh. With, with Michael Dardon. That is Do the I, greatest thing ever. I understand that Meadow Perry was the one who did his uh, his makeup. Did the makeup and brought the wig and the dress. Oh, she they, did, he did so okay. they, Yeah, they came up with that idea that night after yeah. I hosted. So they only had like a couple of hours to work on that and come wow. up with that whole thing. Wow. Which I think is the most impressive. And it was perfect. Like pitch perfect. <laughs> it was amazing. I had no idea. I did not see it coming. It must have killed you. You must have thought that was me. the funniest thing you've seen. Somewhere out there, a couple people told me there's a video of my reaction. Like somebody just filmed my reaction oh, I, and I am I am literally crying. Like yeah. there's tears. <laughs> uh, it was the greatest thing. It For those who are thing. listening, I would suggest again you go to the magicwordpodcast.com and you can see a picture there of uh, 
uh, Sean Farquhar and with Juicy Starling, which again is Michael Dardant as Lucy Darling. And it was so funny. And also the bits that he did, you know, like with perfect. Ice McDonald and yeah. everybody. All the callbacks. It was amazing. It was perfect in every way. Uh, no notes. No notes. No, it was, it was all just kind of Picture improvisation. Perfect. I loved it so much. I was so happy. I feel so flattered. Also, uh, because he threw it together, anything you couldn't get from Meadow Perry, he had to get from someone else. So he, the shoes he was wearing, the heels he was wearing, were borrowed from Alexandra de Vivi. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and they were killing him. Is that right? Yeah, and today Alexandra's walking around in those same shoes, elegant and gorgeous, like not, like nobody's business. So right. Yeah, she she has a. She pulled through on that one. Did you end up getting a picture just as Carissa with? with I, I have nine hundred pictures. Okay. Of Juicy Starling. But and with me, you two, the two of you. Of the okay. two of of me, uh, like on my knees, you know, worshiping her in her glory. I, you've got to send me at least a couple. Of I those. will send you a couple. <laughs> they are all good. Literally, every one of them is perfect. You've probably never seen anybody do that kind of homage to you. No, I mean, um, the Leslie, who is one of the the people who works at the Chicago Magic Lounge, yeah. dressed up as Lucy for Halloween and did a great job. So there've been a couple of times, and actually, Dardon and uh, and. Sean Farquhar actually, I did a Lucy Darling look like contest when we did the online show, and they both dressed up. So that he has dressed up like that before. It's not his first rodeo his as first a Juicy, but this was much better. This was like a. What made this time. better? Uh, because Sean was there. Literally everything about it, the whole thing. <laughs> also, the fact that he was in De Vivier's heels. I mean, so, come yeah, on, you can't yeah. top that. No, That's the greatest thing. That okay, won't happen again. We gotta go eat. Hey, up there, calling our table. So for the Magic Word Podcast. Bye. It's food o'clock. <laughs> Scotty out. So we were kind of in the middle of uh, this evening's show. Joe Monty, haven't seen you in so many years. Joe, it's wonderful to see you, my friend. Scott, it is, it is amazing seeing you because I, I've been locked away for a few years, especially yeah. with this pandemic. Uh, and I've had some health problems that, that blood transfusions because of blood loss took care of. But people ask why I'm here. I'm here because this is like a transfusion for me, a transfusion of magic. It really is. It might sound soppy. But, but you feel great better. I, I, I swear to God, to you, I feel a million times better. And because it's an arrogance-free atmosphere where people share magic. And that's why it's a family. When people say this is a family, it, people think of it as being, you know, uh, 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 again, soppy about it. They're not. This is a family because it, it, it's... Look, I, I have a family, but, but I know enough about them. Coming here, you find new things, and, and people will share things. And that's why it's this arrogance-free atmosphere where people share things. They're not worried about sharing whether they're published or not. Right. They're and not holding anything back. They're holding nothing back. And, oh, my goodness, the talent here is so amazing. I mean, I, I feel like a kid again. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's the best part. And when was the last time that you were here? I was here uh, three years ago. Okay. So just before the pandemic. So okay. yeah, but, yeah, before the... Well, I wasn't at the one they had just, uh, like, prior to the pandemic, but the two years before. Seems that. like that I recall. Didn't you do something with the giant cards? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah the three-card Joe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and all the physical vaudeville stuff, which I love so much. Are you going to do that again tonight? Or? Um, no, 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 no. I'm not going to do that tonight. Okay. I, I wanted to, but they have a tight schedule. Yeah. But what I, what I did present to them, you know, I said, you, I'll do this here, is one that Penn & Teller won me for for the 10th season, and that is the three-card Joe, which I have an ending where I can hand out the cards. Okay, so you think it might fool them? I really think this one will fool them. Absolutely. I really do. Now, that is if they're willing enough to say that I'm not old enough 
you know, not too old. Yeah, that you're outside the demographic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I love what Paul Gertner said about, you know, Teller telling him, yeah. Yeah, don't worry about the, the age, just wear a damn leather jacket. Yeah, <laughs> <You know? laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's good to see you, Scott, it really is. Joe, it's good to see you, man, and I'm glad you're doing so so well and healthy, I mean, uh, given the circumstances that uh, you had and everything and back here, and I think that's just a lovely quote that you are getting a transfusion of magic that is that is your lifeblood. It, it really is. I mean, you, you've known me for so many years. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I've always... Look, I never have done magic for the money, even though people have paid me. Uh, I used to do open mics for free. And I've done magic shows for free. And, and I've only done them because every single performance, if a person really loves to perform, yeah. every single performance is... It takes a year off your life. And I really feel that because, oh boy, oh boy, the last five years have been rough. You really pour a lot into a performance. Love it. I love, and the, audi- the audience, that's what it is. The audience are the doctors. I'm the performer. Yeah. And, and that reaction, that's, yeah. that, that's the, the, the blood of magic. That, that's what makes people love it. Did you do some stuff at uh, Monday Night Magic uh, at all recently? Um, not recently. I used to do a lot of it. But I live in California, yeah. and they're in New York. Uh, and last time I was there, I saw Rocco and all that. Um, right. But... But I still went to the performance because yeah. even watching performances, it makes me feel better. But I know they've been running it for a long time. And when you were back in New York, I thought that you had performed there for a while. No, I, um, I, Michael wanted me to. Yeah. But, you know, I, I have my daughter with me. Yeah. And, and sometimes, you know, daughters want to go to the mall versus, yeah. you know, Daddy, where are you going tonight? I'm going <laughs> off to the Majesty. Um, but currently she's back in California. And she said, yeah. when I told her I was coming to a convention, She's 12, 13 now, just from 12 to 13. She, she said to me, convention day? What's a convention? I said, well, think of, it as, think of it as the best years of somebody's life in school and they're having a reunion. It's like yeah. that. And she's like, I kind of get it. You know, yeah. so, yeah. And it really isn't. Because you really don't perform at any conventions. This is really the only place uh, I think I see it. I haven't been at a convention for 10 years. And uh, uh, performing here for these guys, especially... And here's the benefit, I think, of me uh, and why I love to perform here. I'm a close-up guy. I love close-up magic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing that these guys dig is, yeah, the close-up magic, but hey, look at that physical stuff you can do that we yeah. don't do. And, you know, and so, so I don't hear the cards being riffled in the back. I don't hear the coins bouncing around. Right. They're looking to see if I'm going to hurt myself being funny. So, that's why I'm here. That's right. Yeah, you can't hurt yourself. I'm uh, doing comedy. My best. Try not to. Yeah, right. I, I've, I've got a daughter I've got to raise, so i yeah. got to be careful. You want to kill the audience. You don't want to kill yourself. <laughs> it, it, bingo. <laughs> bingo. Exactly. Well, thank you very much. It's awful good seeing you again, buddy. It's great seeing you, Scott. So for the Magic Word Podcast, that was Joe Monty. Scotty out. The evening show is over, and it was more than satisfying. We talked earlier about the Friday night show being so great with a lot of great talent, and Saturday was, this tonight, just again, knocked it out of the park. It was really great with standing ovations throughout the evening. And as promised from this morning, we said when we talked, when Mark and I talked, we were going to wrap up tonight's show and the convention with this final chat. And so here I am with the man himself. Hey, Scotty. <laughs> Good to be here. 
And so, I, good show, didn't you think? A great show, amazing. great show. I, the only problem was it made my knees hurt. I was getting up and down up and so down often so for those yeah. standing ovations. It was really great. <laughs> but, you know, early in the day, we started off, We uh, they were kind to us. We didn't start events today until 1.30. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, we let off with Eric DeCamps doing a one-man show. Mm-hmm. And uh, the only other person I, I think has ever done a one-man show was Del Rey. And that was probably back in the... I don't know, the 80s? Yeah. You know, at the, the old Forks Hotel. And I don't think that was even a full show. I think he did, like, the second half of the show or something. Mm-hmm. But Eric, you know, magnificent tour de force. It's, uh, you know. And, and he well-deserved the uh, oh, MVP he, award, yeah, which he got. Yeah, then he was shared the MVP award with uh, with uh, Tom Craven, mm-hmm. Mr. 50, last man yeah. standing. <laughs> Only man to have attended all 50 four Fs. Um, but we're getting ahead of us. Yes, we are. We are. <clears throat> So Eric did a wonderful show. It's his Pure Magic show. Uh, and uh, he normally does it for audiences of maybe, you know, 60, 80 people. Mm-hmm. You know, to do it for 225 people. Of, of criti- critical magicians. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, But he had, you know, video support and the stuff mm-hmm. looked great. And he does a beautiful glass production of three coin sequence. Uh, his handling of John Ramsey's triple restoration. Um, I've always enjoyed his uh, Dean's box. Uh, you know, oh, it's beautiful. It's the ultimate. Yep, yep. And he closed with his new. Well, before that, he did the breadcrumbs. There's a really cool Renee card Levant. trick. Mm-hmm. Yep, Renee Levant and Levant gave him permission to do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, really cool card trick, uh, three card thing with numbers called trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he closed. Uh, he encored with uh, the rising cards, hmm. which he's been working on for a while. And uh, it's a thing of beauty, and fool, yeah. fool the pants out of everybody. So that was cool. Um, like a hooker card rise in, in a glass dome thing. Well, I mean, the hooker card rise well, is a huge multi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing. But I mean, it was in a glass dome. Maybe that's it was in a glass dome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was the inspiration. Yeah. And he talks about the inspirations, you know, in the old books that he read. And of course, the hooker rising cards really was kind of the yeah. the inspiration for that. Um, went into the Ed Talks for the afternoon. Uh, Rick Wilcox from Wisconsin Dells, who's a uh, who's got his own theater, beautiful illusion show. Mm-hmm. Uh, spoke about uh, doing illusions. Uh, obviously, the perfect crowd here, a close-up convention. Right. Uh, I refer to the uh, talk as illusion aversion therapy. Uh, because if you ever had a thought of doing illusions after that lecture, you're not going to. Yeah. He just kind of just took one illusion and talked about Everything that went into it. Once he got the illusion, mm-hmm. everything he had to do to make the illusion a working piece. Right. And it's uh, it was a fascinating talk. And Rick is phenomenal. He really uh, did a great job. Uh, Keith Fields talked about uh, audience management. And I, I have I have a page and a half of notes of that. Um, oh, and, I talked and to him afterwards even, as well. They kind of recapped what he had said. And yeah. it was amazing. And, and, and he didn't even finish. Right. <laughs> and he kind of was rushing. He had so much to yeah, talk about. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, that's a lecture in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And, and, in fact, I want to talk to Keith about it. I, I just think that that would be just like a great, you know, 45-minute mm-hmm. to an hour talk just on audience management. He has so much, first, so much real-world experience on right. it. Right. And, right. Uh, he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Absolutely phenomenal. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait to go through all my, uh, all my notes on that. Uh, and Christian and Catalina themselves uh, cleaned up. Uh, with uh, talking about uh, an intimate sounds they created mm-hmm. um, and everything that kind of went into uh, doing a sense for real people. Mm-hmm. And uh, they went into literally everything about yeah, the it. the workings do, of it and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do a pre-show thing with pendulums and, and uh, 
uh, questions and then all the props that go into the seance and all of the uh, technical stuff, electronic stuff. And they made a great observation that, you know, if it's uh, a magic trick, it works 100% of the time. If it's a mechanical prop, it works 100% of the time. If it's an electronic pr- prop, it works 70% of the time. <laughs> so you better have a workaround for that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, really fun, really fun. Uh, and uh, we had uh, we had the banquet, which, man, uh, you know, for all the years that we've all been having, really, quite frankly, low, level, low standard, yeah, low standard food, <laughs> um, to the point where so many people just don't go to the banquet. They, yeah, they just, go other places, even exactly. though that we paid for. It's like I'm not exactly. going to eat here. Uh, but this year, uh, Mike Joseph, who's one of the board, mm-hmm. uh, who is a phenomenal caterer, he did the banquet, and boy. That food was top notch, mm-hmm. uh, and in fact, I said to Glenn uh, uh, Glenn Brown, I said, "Okay, here's a piece of cr- critique: um, if you ever have anybody do the food, but Mike Joseph again, I'm not coming back. <laughs> I mean, it's just that good." Yeah, uh, it even was, had cannoli for dessert. Oh my god, <laughs> cannoli, and he had uh, little eclairs and tiramisu. Yeah, okay, so how do you how do you argue with that? That's just the best. Yeah, absolutely the best. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that was a great lead in for the show tonight. Um, obviously, they, they did the, the Broken semi- Lawn Ceremony. Oh, right. You know, you know it, the, the one problem with the banquet was, you know, they did try to do some things, including Mayor doing the Broken Lawn Ceremony for everybody that we've lost over the last four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the room, the banquet room, was part of the pool <laughs> and so you had kids playing in the pool screaming and stuff and there's nothing like a solemn uh, broken wand ceremony with kids screaming in the background disagree <laughs> my thought the whole thing it, it brought tears to my eyes of, of t- thinking about how alive the children are over the the uh, sadness of people who have passed of thinking there is new life that is going on. It's continuing, even though the some have passed. That's a good point. And I was listening to these children <laughs> that were just screaming and having so much fun. And I thought, man, these people have left us, and uh, yet life goes on. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Though I will say afterwards, Mary Ed had said, uh, I would have killed the kids, but then I would have had to include their names, too. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, you make lemon out of yeah. lemonade. Uh, but, All right, uh, the kids. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we went on with the uh, the evening show, and uh, first they did the roast of Mark Mason, which is not really a roast. Of course, since Steve Beam conducted it, he had a number of lines yeah. that poke fun at Mark, but everybody giving him a variety of gifts and, and things. And, and Mark really spoke some very heartfelt words, and it was uh, really touching, and, and he was really touched that he was named Guest of Honor. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was terrific. And they, uh, Obi, before he passed, had actually named several years of uh, guests of honors and because of the uh, the three years we didn't have the convention they decided to put the next three guests of honors together mm-hmm. so next year we get three guests of honor yeah. so uh, that'll be that'll be kind of interesting um, so then we got into the show which Steve uh, uh, MC'd Dry wit, one, wonderful guy. I mean, yeah. he's a perfect MC. He spent so much time uh, writing all this. Very funny stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we opened with the Montreal Trio. Michelle Huot, Yannick Lacroix, and Mark Trudel. Um, this is a unique act. And, and Steve personally asked for them to do this act on the show, uh, where it's kind of indescribable. But basically, um, you think they're kind of upside down. Uh, and it's all done with a, a video camera backstage, and they're backstage 
uh, doing this thing where it looks like there's stuff floating around and mm-hmm. it's just really, really funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say it's a nightmare to say. I think I saw something like that on AGT with somebody doing a comedy bit with uh, Mindy some years ago. Yeah, it could be, could be, but we had him at MAS a few years mm-hmm. ago, and boy. <laughs> Very funny. Yeah. It's very funny and very tough to yeah. to, to set up. <laughs> um, they were followed by Alexandra Duvivier, um, who did uh, some really wonderful routines. She has a uh, kind of a gypsy thread routine with tape, mm-hmm. a scotch tape that was fun. And then she did a gypsy thread with a really uh, nice uh, script, uh, followed by um, a routine with uh, uh, cards with hearts on them. Uh, which eventually she makes uh, pictures out of, mm-hmm. and uh, and turned it over and it was a picture of Obi. So yeah. you know, very touching little yeah. thing, and very very nice. Uh, followed by Shoot Ogawa, uh, Fism winner, Fism Fism winner, and he did the Fism act, yeah. uh, which is a, a manipulative routine with spoons and coins, mm-hmm. and that's like saying Yasha Hafez plays fiddle. You know, it's. Um, <laughs> You know, what he does with a spoon and coins is just, it's so imaginative and so beautifully executed. And uh, he had a little technical problem and fixed it and just went on. He's a trooper. He's a trooper. He's a trooper. Absolutely beautiful. Uh, The uh, first half was closed out by uh, 4F favorite Mike Robinson. Uh, Despite the fact that Mike does magic, he never does magic at the convention. He always does his vent act with his uh, dummy Terrence. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was wondering uh, whose ass Terrence was going to kick. And it was Steve Beams. Uh, (laughs) And you have to know the act to understand what we're talking about. But Boom. Yeah, boom. Uh, Very technically proficient ventriloquist. Great character and and very funny. He doesn't work for us much because he's out making money on cruise ships. This exactly, guy's been working all the time. Yeah, he's always working cruise ships. Yeah. Uh, I've tried to book him, in. can never get. Him. He's yeah. always out on the ships. Yeah. Really wonderful. Uh, took a break and then came back. Uh, Haret Wu opened the second half uh, with a very visual routine, and I believe the opening is the routine that he did on Penn and Teller Fool Us. Mm. And I think he's done it at FISM. He's won FISM. Uh, it's a card, very visual card-changing routine with regular cards changing to cards with green, bright green faces that begin changing back to the cards and uh, dealing a royal flush. And he ends up with all of the cards turning into green cards with black keyholes in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, very interesting, very interesting thing. And then he did a completely different routine with a, a fresh deck of cards. And from a shuffle deck, and I mean a well-shuffled deck, Mm -hmm. he produced the four aces in an incredibly visual manner. Then he he almost immediately dealt out uh, uh, another five hearts. Mm -hmm. And then the entire rest of the hearts just literally appeared. appeared yeah. And then he shuffled the pack again and now it was split in he he dealt he asked for a, he another suit. Divided the suits, yeah. Exactly. And produced each of the three suits from uh, like an what looked like an impossibly shuffled deck. I've never seen anything like that. Yeah, it was very 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 cool. Uh followed by uh, Carissa Hendricks, uh, Lucy let her out to uh, do a show and she performed as herself uh and did a couple of couple of routines for us uh, uh this wonderful visual trick with her earring a big hoop mm-hmm. earring that vanishes and appears back on her ear which she repeated mm-hmm. uh real fooler and then did a uh, routine with um uh, several coins um 
in which she counts it in the spectator's hands, and one by one they vanish from the spectator's hands and appear in her hands. Mm-hmm. And it's very reminiscent of a trick from Bobo called the Terry Lynn pennies, mm-hmm. uh, but done. She did them with half dollars, so mm-hmm. it was much more visual. A uh, very nice routine, and uh, went off to a nice ovation. I like what she had to say. Then also saying, I want to thank everyone here for letting me be all, I've, all being all of me. Yeah, you know, yeah. bring both of her characters in. Exactly, exactly, and uh, and I think we all appreciated seeing just That's Carissa right, doing yeah. Carissa. So yeah. yeah, very cool. Uh, she was followed by Juliana Chin, who came on and did one effect, a floating linking ring routine, mm-hmm. uh, reminiscent of Victor Voitko, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, in her style, very Juliana style. Yeah. Beautifully performed, and it looked great. It looked great. And when you see something like that that's a stage trick in, in a close-up setting, that's that's pretty cool. And as tradition dictates, uh, Bargazzi and Merrill closed the show. Um, they had some very funny bits, um, some cutting humor. And as they always do, they spend a lot of time, of course, with David Cassero and some others, just kind of looking at what has happened at this convention and then having a whole callback of all the days starting exactly. on Wednesday night. Exactly. Yeah, it's a recap of the convention and the, you know, funny moments that they can take an insult. And uh, even right up to the last minute within the same show because they started off with okay. the thing with the uh, trio. With the Montreal trio <laughs> doing a parody of, of the, the upside-down thing. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah. As current as current can be. Mm-hmm. Um, but ended with something incredibly touching that was, you know, a wonderful, you know, a dedication to Obi and talking about how Joan and, and Glenn are, are taking this forward and moving mm-hmm. forward with the convention and, and keeping the the whole honor of, you know, Eddie and, and, and Obi alive. And uh, right. that was just really wonderful. So Yeah, it was a good way to kind of say see you next year you know exactly and we're gonna keep this all together yep yep that's the whole thing and uh you know it's this is a unique convention it's uh you know it it doesn't matter who's on the shows Mm -hmm. because that's not why everybody's here correct you know we're here to hang out with each other it's family you know and and several performers during the weekend just made it so clear that, you know, it's not about who's performing on the show. It's, you know, it's not about you showed me this trick or I show you. No, it's you feel like your family and, and, yeah. and everybody's got each other's backs. I think it was Mark Mason who was saying that I don't want to wish my life away and I'm not. I'm just saying that I can hardly wait another 300 and 61 days. Yeah, 60 days, uh, 61 days until yeah. the next one. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's it's really true. And yeah. you know, we see each other, you know, we see each other at other conventions and stuff. And you know, yeah. the people who attend 4F they do have a special bond. Yeah. Uh, they really do. Yeah. It's it's unlike any other convention. That's true. And this has been a uh, one of a kind. I mean, you know, with the 50th is extra special. I think. And, and not so only that, it lived up the, to its expectations. Absolutely. And and the fact that we haven't seen each other now for you know we missed three conventions, and so this was extra yeah. sweet. Speaking of which, and all that you've just said, one thing we're missing now that extra sweet is the hospitality room. I'm going in for donuts. You betcha. Donut and soda and time for bed. Well, I've got to go put this podcast to bed. <laughs> I'm going to be doing that as we kind of wrap up. Thank you very much, Mark. You've been wonderful and Thank providing you, color as usual. We'll, I'll see you in Pittsburgh. I will be there.
Beautiful. Yep, for the IBM convention. So uh, until later, and which, by the way, I want to, I'm going to be hanging around for another day. Uh, I'm going to be attending MONI, which is the Midwestern uh, Magicians yeah, Alliance of Western, Western New, York. New York. Yeah, yeah. and that's going to be a one-day convention. I'll be reporting that tomorrow. So uh, we've got another full day of, <laughs> of a convention. I'm going to report here tomorrow as well, so stay tuned for that. But this is all from Buffalo for the 50th 4F convention. So here we go. Off to the sunset. Thanks again, Mark. Thank you, Scotty. Good night. <laughs> this is good night. This is Scotty out.